0: It's working. I hope. Sure. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm never sure. <laughs> this is Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask about what is good? Jesus replied. There is no one, capital one, meaning God, who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commands. Which ones? the man inquired. And Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, sell your possessions and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then the disciples said to, Then Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now all the parables that Jesus told when I was a young man, this one struck me because I was a young man and I had possessions. And it was a very difficult passage for me to understand. I would basically just read it and say, No, no, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. (coughs) But I'm not a young man anymore, and so I can deal with it. And I hope that we present the information here that's useful and beneficial to you in your Christian life. Now, I encourage you to ask me questions, to interrupt with your thoughts at any time. That's fine. All right, let's see if this machine works. All right. This was not an uncommon thing. For people to be asked to come follow me. In, the, in that time in history to be asked to follow a teacher was a great honor. So here's two examples of people who took that advantage. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee he saw two brothers Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me Jesus said and I'll make you fishers of men. At once They left their nets and followed him. As Jesus went on from, (coughs) excuse me, from there he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them and Matthew got up and followed him. So this was not an uncommon thing for for Jesus to ask that young man. It was quite an honor. Now a young man came up to Jesus to Jesus and asked teacher what good thing must I do to eternal life why do you ask me what is good Jesus replied there is only one who is good what did the young man not understand teacher what good thing must I do to eternal life as if he could do <coughs> one good deed and that's it man I got my ticket here it is it's stamped I'm ready to go Maybe it's because he was young. (coughs) Mm. For it is grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now granted this scripture was written after this encounter, but the understanding was not unique. We cannot do a good thing to get our ticket to heaven. Our, our ticket to heaven is faith, through faith. Why? So that we can't boast. We can't get to the prayer gates and say, hey Peter, let me in, I did my thing, let me in. We can't do that, we're in by faith. Hebrews 11, on and on and on, by faith, Abraham, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Not by works, but by faith. So the young man, right off the bat, didn't understand that's simple truth, <clears throat> not by works, but by faith.
1: But don't you think, John, though, that in that culture, especially the Jewish culture, the thing is is that if I am rich, because the idea is if I'm good, God blesses me. If I'm right. bad, God punishes me. Okay, well, look, I'm a man rich wealth, stuff like that. So evidently, I'm a good person already. So, you know, so I've got all this goodness around me because I can just look at my bank account and see that I'm good. So maybe there's one more thing. One more thing. To make sure that it's, it's, it's sure. You know, and I exactly. don't think it's all that far from some of our thinking when we were young. Oh, yeah. Right. That I could go to and be a one good thing to be a missionary and, and, and come back and say, okay, then I've... I've earned it exactly. I've done this one. I, I mean, we may not like to say it out loud, but I think that we've all kind of thought that
0: Right. Well let me just come back to that then. Okay, what did, that's what the next slide was. Have we ever not understood exactly what you said, Sam? Have we ever not understood? Have you been as a young person said, you know, I want to go to heaven? What do I have to do? What good thing can I do? I'll be good. Well, as you grow up you figure out, eh, that doesn't work, I can't be good, I can't be good. He didn't understand that and some, when I was a young man and became a Christian I came out of that baptism water and said, my sins are washed away and I ain't never going to sin again. See how long that lasted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that was a great disappointment to me because I was serious, I was dead serious. And, of course, it didn't work. It (laughs) didn't work. If you want to enter life, obey the commands. Now, I don't understand why he said which ones. he obey all the commands. What do you mean, which ones? So Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the lover your neighbor as yourself is not one of the... uh, written Ten Commandments, but the concept is there. He says, all these I've kept. I've been good. I kept the commands. He said, what do I still lack? What do I still lack? He kept the rules, but something was missing. Twice he said that. What good thing must I do? What do I still lack? He knew something was missing. Have you ever felt like something was still missing? You know, I go to church three times a week. You know, I, I put my money in the collection plate. I do what I'm supposed to do and somehow, something's missing, something's missing. And if we base, base our faith on the things that we do, how good we are, all the good things we perform, we're gonna end up feeling what's missing What's missing? And that's a sad thing that people go through their lives living a religion <coughs> of rules. I kept the rules. Something's missing. therefore we would say whenever we were
2: asked, are you going to heaven? I hope so.
0: My wonderful mother, I hope so. She never had confidence in her salvation. Something was missing. And I, could, I spent many hours talking with her, and still, I hope so. It's a sad thing. It's a real sad thing. On her deathbed, she never knew if she'd go to heaven or not. I mean, her, her de- death wish was, God, please accept my soul, as if there was some question. That's a sad thing, to have that missing in your Christian life. And it was missing in this young man's life. It was missing. What a sad thing that is, to live like that.
1: I think I picture. I picture so. It, to me, it's so vivid, and the fact is, is that, I mean, and, and we probably all walked down there, have done this walk before. You know it. And so we get to the part of where we, you know, we're raising kids, but we're doing this and we're doing that, and there is this constant feeling: is, am I doing enough? And, am I? And and we never get to the point of where we feel confident in it. And I think part of the, the thing, and I see it in, in, the, in the young man who had wealth and stuff like that and had done the commandments, but evidently, I'm presupposing this, but that he has heard Jesus speak before. I suspect. it. I suspect. Cases, it It heard something like that. And so he was able to see that there's something, oh, there's something more than doing the mm. commandments. So I, what, what is it that I lack? And I see that idea of the Holy Spirit pushing, saying, guys, it's not that. You know, you can continue to ask that question, and you need to and ask it to the right places. Finally, right. he went to the source and said, what right. do I lack? And he said, I this lack? is what it is.
0: And it's pretty obvious that Jesus had compassion on the young man in the story as we read it. It wasn't like he blew the young man off. He was serious in what he said. Thank you, Sam. Jesus did not mention the Ten Commandments regarding what our relationship with our God. First four commandments are, you shall have no other gods before me. Do not make yourself an idol. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God and remember the Sabbath. God didn't, Jesus didn't mention those. He didn't talk about those. I, I don't know if he assumed the young man knew that and followed those, but nevertheless, that was not the issue that Jesus brought up with this young man. Rather, He brought the five commandments that had to do with interpersonal relationships. Remember the last thing Jesus said was, love your neighbor as yourself. So these commands have to do with how we interface with people. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. These are the ones the young man said, I have kept these things. There's one more. You know what it is? Do not, covet. Do not covet. Do not covet. Isn't it strange that he did not mention that one to the young man with lots of money? Don't covet. This is a quotation from the book Love Wins by Rob Bell. To covet is to crave what someone else has. Coveting is the, dis, dis, is the disease of always wanting more, and it's rooted in a profound dissatisfaction with the life God has given you. Coveting is what happens when you aren't at peace. I thought that was really spoken well, coveting. Let's talk a little bit about coveting. Now, this lesson isn't all about money, but it's brought into here, so we're gonna use that as our tool. At the Industrial Revolution, you had these these guys that were incredibly wealthy. J.P. Morgan, uh, J.P. Getty, John Rockefeller. John Rockefeller was asked, you have great wealth, Mr. Rockefeller. How much money do you need? There's no way you can ever spend your money to buy things in this world. And his answer was, one more dollar than I have now. And to me, that is an incredible statement. You know, sometimes people can make a statement that covers paragraphs, and that's one of them. It didn't, it wasn't relevant to the things he had or what he could buy or what kind of vacation he could go on, how big a house he could have. It had to do simply with amassing money. Now, I can't think of anything in this world more disappointing than just trying to amass money for the sole purpose of having one more dollar. Now, we all work so we can have. We have homes and cars and raise our children and buy clothes and so forth. But we don't do this for the one more dollar. If we do, that's a sad life to live because there's always one more dollar. There's no peace. There's no peace. My mom has lots of of sayings. And one of her sayings was, money doesn't buy happiness, but neither does poverty. (laughs) And there's a, there's a big statement there, right? That our happiness is independent of whether we have a lot of money or whether we don't. If we're looking to be happy by gathering things, it's a great disappointment. It doesn't work. And so many people think it does work. It doesn't. Our happiness is independent. Our peace that comes from God does not depend on what we have. It doesn't work. Oh, wait, let me get back one more thing. Um, we have a neighbor on our block and this, sometimes he leaves his garage door open, <laughs> you should see it. That thing is packed from floor to ceiling, wall to wall with stuff. I mean just, you can't walk through the garage. It's incredible. It's just stuff, all the way, stuff. When, when Dale uh, and I were living in Washington working um, at the Hanford facility, we, we knew a woman, um, a single lady, and she was a hoarder. And you went to her house, and there was a path between the stuff. It was probably stacked about this high, give or take. And there, were, there was food that was, you know, half-eaten rotting. And there were boxes that were just <coughs> never opened. They were just boxes of stuff that were never opened. And she said Del, to Del, Del... I know you're neat and fastidious. Can you help me get rid of do, do something with this? And so Del said, yes, I can. What we have to do is take everything out of the house and put it in the front yard and then put back in exactly what's important and get rid of the rest. And she said, I can't do that. I can't do that. There was an advertisement we lived in Denver working at the Rocky Flats facility. They had a, a real big flea market. It was really nice, flea market. And they had a radio advertisement. And they were talking about stuff. Two gentlemen talking. The first gentleman says, why do people go to the flea market? The second gentleman says, so they can sell their stuff. The first gentleman says, well, who buys all this stuff? And the answer was the understuffed. (laughs) And I thought that that summed it up so well. Just stuff. Just stuff.
1: But you know, we do have to be, I think, extremely careful. But we don't sit in judgment of somebody else's stuff. No, we can't that. I'm not do that. saying that we want it, but we, sit, but the idea of sit there and trying to determine that, well, they really have more than what they need. Oh, don't we all? Right. Their house is too big. They're this. They're this. They're, and it's real easy for us to somehow try to elevate ourselves to determine somebody else and try to determine the nature of their heart based upon what they have yeah. without knowing the individual at all. Of course. you, can, you And could. that's the important part I think is is one of the important points is that especially when it comes to this sure. is, is not and I'm saying well that's not that I want their stuff but I'm trying to determine well so it's like, it's like me saying John this is how you really ought to spend your money.
0: Well yeah you can do that. I mean when we bought our house we wanted to have a storage area for our stuff. Now, to to us, that stuff's pretty valuable. But if you went up in there, you'd probably say, "Why, where are you keeping that?" Amen. I mean, I have I have a little little old Singer sewing machine, sewing machine, and a little carrying thing that was my great my grandmother's. It's worthless. I have I have a little black bag doctor kit that my uncle carried. He was a doctor in a small town. It's worthless. I mean, it's junk, but it's valuable to me not to anybody else, but to me. They're worthless, but not to me. On that covetous
3: thing, I remember listening to a missionary one time, and they were talking about what is one of your biggest concerns in this small village, and they said, well, the, the people that have a grass hut want a concrete block hut. Uh-huh. A concrete, you know, so it's on it's a two two. Right. that we always tend, as humans, to covet what we don't what have. What we don't have. And you know, it's just kind of an interesting uh, perspective that we can to do that no matter what level we're at. That's right. But that kind of surprised me because I don't know why I thought that people that were really in lower levels of poverty would not feel those feelings, but they do, they're just like the rest of us. Yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. exactly. My mom had another one of her little sayings. Um, let me get back, back, back a second. When I was working... Uh, down at my last job was down at the Pine Bluff Arsenal in Arkansas we were destroying all the nerve chemical nerve agent and mustard gas and because it was such a delicate situation and very dangerous we had an on-site state inspector there who was there every day and this guy had every toy you could imagine he had ski doos he had snowmobiles he had a big camper had a huge pickup truck he had a boat he was a really nice guy I mean I really liked him very nice fella and one day he committed suicide those things didn't keep him alive they weren't that valuable to him he committed suicide how sad that was my mom another little expression of hers when she sees something that somebody else had she'd say I wish I had that and they had a wart on their nose and now (laughs) Why, why she said, that's what she would say. My, my mom has lots of expressions, but that's one of them. Say, mom, that's what she said.
3: Can I say that um, I, I
1: think that what I get from this rich young man uh-huh. is that um, the young man was giving the choice of, of keeping all everything that you have accumulated over your lifetime or going and searching for God and, and, and eternal life and that's the choice that he made. He that's says no, my stuff is too important for me to give it up to go and find the true meaning of life or everlasting that, life. That is so cool. I, I don't think that God has a problem with us being successful no. and being prosperous but when we put all of that stuff be ahead of God and that's where the problem is. Exactly. And, and somebody can accumulate wealth but if, if they're, you know and have a good life and have a house and have a boat and travel um, that's great, and, but if they're not, if they're not giving back, you know, if they have family members that are in dire need, um, and they're selfish in that in that way, I think that's That's, right. that's really the
0: that issue is that is the point, and that's that's what we're going to draw to real quick. That is the point. That's the point. <sighs> if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Let's look at perfect. Per second. If you want to be perfect. Now in in this in this context, perfect meant righteous to God. Okay? And we can be righteous to God, not by our own doing, but by the gift of God. (coughs) But have you ever in your life, as I talked about myself after I was baptized, I was going to be perfect. Perfect. Have you ever thought that as a goal? I'm going to be perfect? That's a rhetorical question, by the way, aren't they? When we were living in, in Denver... I
1: tried for five minutes. Man. Five minutes. That was eh? kind of my goal, five minutes at a
0: time. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. I mean, right, right off the bat, you blew it, you know what I mean? We um, were going to a church back in the 70s, and a movement began called the Gainesville Movement. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. But the Gainesville movement was started by a gentleman named Chuck Lucas out of the Gainesville Church of Christ in Gainesville, Florida. And it targeted basically college people. And what they did, they would they would convert a college person to the Lord and they would put them on a 40 day regimen that was carefully monitored. And during those 40 days, they were to get the sin out of your life. Get the sin out of your life, become perfect. But can you guess what happened? They began to fall away pretty quick, pretty quick. And so there were classes for these pe- young people to help them understand the concept of grace and the concept of forgiveness. Because that's not what they were taught. They were taught perfect. Doesn't work. Doesn't work for anybody. Oh, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth.
2: What You think this person or this, you know, the surrounding, these people at this time, there's Jesus, I guess, you know, somebody who's got a little cash, excess disposable income. What kind of economic system prevailed in that consideration?
0: Well, I read about this young man on the internet. There's There's a lot about that on the internet if you choose to look at it. And one of the comments was there were very few people who were rich in that time, very few. Most people were relatively poor. They basically went to work and that was what they had to buy their food. So it's a very different system we have now. We really don't have people in our country that are starving to death uh, because they don't have. So it was it's, it's a very different economy, you're right, very different. I I'm not making a, a summary, I'm just wondering what are the alternatives?
2: Because I know what we think we have, right we think we have
0: a capitalistic society i believe many of us say that right but it's not complete is
2: this like the king owns it all owns the people is this like a slave society i don't know
0: not not quite i mean there it was a capitalistic system in the sense that uh, and we have a lot of analogies that in the bible where they went into the vineyard to work and so forth they would work for what was called a denarius, days, a day's wages. And that's how they supported themselves. And, if, and in the Jewish rules, there were allowed for the poor people where if you had a big farm, you'd had to leave the edges so people could come and take that for food so they wouldn't starve to death. So it's part capitalism, part socialism in our language to take care of people who didn't have enough funds to manage their own. Remember, even Jesus once said, the birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the, young man, the son of man has no place to lay his head. But, on the other hand, you know, Judas Iscariot was the one who kept the purse, the money purse. So they did have some funds.
1: But you also realize, it's, they're under Roman rule, and Rome could care less right. about the poor no. in Judea. No. Right? So there was, there was not government services, there was not any kind of... So it was... You fend for yourself, so you beg, or you whatever. You
0: beg, or you ha- have you work for their vineyard, or
1: the advice
2: was I think go sell everything, give it away, or whatever. What what kind of system is that? What is that? Before? Well, it didn't say that though. It, what did it say? Uh, if you kind of look back at the statement, it's, uh, it it could be assumed that it's go sell not all of what you had, but what you've got, give,
0: give some to the poor. Reduce yourself.
2: to poverty. Reduce yourself. Yeah. He said give it all to the poor,
0: right? Give it to the... He didn't say all. He said go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. That's the quotation.
2: Well, the way, it, it
3: might
0: be... I heard it was uh, the assumption was he was
3: a broker because if you weren't a broker, you probably were not rich. Right. True. This commentary has a comment that's interesting. Okay. That's Christ knew that covetousness was the sin that did most easily beset this young man, and that though he had what he had, he had gotten honestly, he couldn't cheerfully part with it, and by this he discovered his insincerity.
0: That's right. That's why I keyed on the big word covet. Because I really think that, that Jesus understood the young man that he had a problem with that. And I think that's why when he listed the commandments, Jesus did not include that one. Because he knew the young man could not—he could not say honestly, "I've kept these commands." He would have to say, "Yeah, all but one," if he was honest.
4: I think that, like, sorry, um, I lost my voice. It's all right. <laughs> I, think I got that, it too.
1: yelling
4: at her husband. I'm sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that, like, when I, especially growing up, looked at this, I was like, "Okay, this is sort of a blanket statement for rich people. Like, it's so hard for a rich person to get to heaven." I think that listening to it, what you're saying is like, that was this guy's issue. His issue. His issue. Some other guy's issue could be completely... Ah, uh-huh. we're going to healthy, talk about that. But his issue is something else. So it's not just like all rich people go to hell, which is what I kind of thought in a way. Originally, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it could be this guy is like um, anger or whatever. Uh-huh. Dying, so.
0: Thank you for that, that nice segue phenomenal. into the next you're portion. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be perfect, sell your possessions. It was his things, perhaps coveting, that kept the young man from following Jesus. Perhaps, perhaps. But there are other things, Segway, that can keep us from following Jesus. Not just wealth, it can be anything can keep us. Look at some examples. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character, right? You can choose to go with the bad company. Say, okay Jesus, I'll, wait, I'll, I'll be with these guys for a while and then I'll, I'll come back. I remember when I was in the service. Woo, I hung up with some guys that weren't so great.
1: She said them straight, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: just just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Wait, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: Or look at this one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. I Me mean, don't I love, I love the world. It's a beautiful morning this morning. It was an incredible morning. I love it. No. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him and then he just defines what that means. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, does not come from the Father, but from the world. So there are other things besides money that can say, I'm sorry, I can't follow you because I'm going to follow this path. So we need to broaden that out if we're going to make application to us about this parable. What is it?
3: In all of Jesus' teachings, he went for the motive, the issues of the he would. Um, I mean, like, everything that he said was a command, but it also went to what was your heart. Behind the heart. It? I mean, like, if you give
0: everything you had to the poor but you don't love, it prompts you nothing. It not That's right. Exactly. And here he was. What was the problem of this young man's heart? Coveting, obviously. But it could, be, it could be anything. It could be pride, okay? Boasting, pride. It could be lust of the eyes, cravings. There's many things that can lead us away from Jesus. So we shouldn't be too critical of this young man. We can sit and say, oh, yeah, you. Maybe, you know, we should kind of look at it ourselves, and say, what is it in my life that's tending to keep me away from following Jesus? Rather than being critical, let's be introspective.
4: Okay, well, I have a question then. Um, so like you were talking about before, of having that confidence in that we're gonna go to heaven, like your mom and stuff. So say she coveted like till her last day, like that was just her thing. You know, I mean, that was just her thing. She never could overcome it. You know, mm. I mean, I think that I think she's still into heaven. Oh yeah. You know, even though somebody like struggles with the sin, struggle life, something. You know, but like, how does it? You know, talking about this man. Oh, awesome, exactly. Sad, meaning sad. What? Like, sad he is done as far as like God's concerned, or what? You know. Well, yeah. I, I, that's <laughs> that. That
0: is the point of this of this lesson, is that and and thank you for the segue because he goes into that know, again beautiful thank you
1: together. okay <laughs>
0: then Jesus said to the disciple I'll tell you the truth it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven again I tell you it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God so now we're going to talk about this idea okay what does it take what does it take you know my mom now I think she was joking with that coveting remark but there might have been some underlying truth to that What does it take now, I love this. A camel through the eye of the needle. Have you ever heard a sermon? Oh, yeah. Huh? When it says there was a little gate in, uh, in Jerusalem and, and and the camel had to squeeze through without anything to get through. Uh, um, well, you know, um, maybe so, but, uh, you know. It doesn't look, that doesn't look too promising for the camel, <laughs> does it?
1: Yeah. I think this is what it is. I
0: think this is what <laughs> Yeah. The... Um, there, history has shown, you can look it up on the internet, there's no such thing as this little gate, the right. camel gate. It doesn't exist. This concept didn't come into Christianity until around the ninth century. And I know you've heard it in sermons, but unfortunately, eh, wrong, doesn't that's, exist. Well, that's where preachers get their
1: stuff.
0: Well, it's a, great, it's a great lesson, it's a wonderful lesson, right? If you really get... Uh, so what, what, what does it mean? Jesus often used hyperbole in his teaching. Here's two examples. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How are you gonna have a plank in your eye? I mean, come on. Okay, it's an exaggeration to make a point. Here's our camel again. You blind guys, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. You can't swallow a camel.
2: What really is the point of those two ideas?
0: Okay, the point, this point here is, is an exaggeration to demonstrate a point. Okay. The
2: result of what action does the point suggest?
0: Okay. Thank you for the segue. That is exactly right. It's what what action does, does this possess? Obviously, that camel it ain't going to squeeze the eye, the, and that's a big needle. It's not going to happen. Okay, so what's the answer? Is it, is it, what's the answer? The answer is Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved, right? Isn't that the answer? Who that can be, if, if this is impossible, a camel can't go through the eye of a needle, who can be saved? Look at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And that's our answer. That's our answer. We do not have the capacity to do a good thing, to do a good deed, to be perfect, to get to heaven. We don't have that capacity. And the answer is with God, all things are possible, even our own salvation.
1: Well, I think part of the thing, you know, especially when you go back to the two examples where you talk about, you know, the plague and stuff. Uh-huh. And I think that. You know, that, what, one of the things he's saying is, okay, here's perspective. So what are you focused on? So if I am focused on this one thing, so I there will be big things that come my way that I do not even see because I am focused on some little small thing. So I'm focused on accumulating money. <clears throat> and so what I did is the opportunity then to do great good, I never see it because I'm only looking at the opportunity. So I've got this plank in my eye that's it, it's obscuring my vision from right. doing what God <clears throat> wants me to do. The same thing with the gnat is because I'm so worried about some little small detail and, and focused on that. And next thing you know, you know, I've swallowed So I mean, and we've all gone to the refrigerator <clears throat> and opened up the milk and taken one sweet, well, I mean, you're not supposed to do this, but you open <laughs> and it and find out. Ooh, this milk is lumpy. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so curious. So so I'm so focused on satisfying thirst that I didn't take time to investigate. Investigate. So what I'm saying, what I think is, is Jesus is trying to use this as hyperbole, but he's trying to say, guys, what are you focused on? If you're focused on things, if you're focused, and he says another thing, if you focus on things of this world, right, where moth destroys and rust decays, well, what should you focus on? Exactly. By and the I way, think we need to give the rich man, the, the rich viewer, at least asking the question, what is it, what do I need for eternal life? That, because some people never, never ask that. Never ask the question. Never ask that. That's so a good let's point. Give him some credit. Good
0: point, me. Sam. That's a good point. But by the way, the definition of a hyperbole is an exaggeration used to prove a point. Okay? The exaggeration of a camel through the needle's eye is that it ain't going to happen on your own, folks. It's not going to happen, right? Now, I've heard, I, if you read about it, there's a very, one, and I didn't put this up because it's not that relevant, but there's a one-letter difference between a camel and a rope made from camel's hair. So some preachers prefer to say, oh, what it really was supposed to be in the Bible, rope made of camel's hair, that would be really hard to get through a needle because it's a rope. That's not what the Greek says. The Greek says camel, camel. That's the hyperbole. How are we doing for time? Okay, we are out of time, folks. So the the whole thing boils down to this. The apostles are right, but who can be saved? No one can be saved on their own. We're only saved through the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you for your participation, your comments. I appreciate it. Have a great day.